This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today's date is October 22nd, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Okay, this is Tim McDonald, and the years I was at Hofstra Radio were from January of 1986 until soon after my graduation in the summer of 1988. Okay, and what shows, uh, Tim, uh, were you involved in for the most part, or, you know, groups of people? uh, Well, yeah, I mean, as far as um, kind of before I got to the shows that I was um, hosting and uh, and then producing, uh, you know, I did a lot of these shows that we all did at first, you know, your, um, you know, just jazz and Irish country music, I don't know, Sunday uh, public affairs shows. But the, the shows I primarily were uh, was involved with was um, Airwave and Night Shift, Night Shift, which was that one year experiment back in the 86, 87 uh, school year. So those were uh, those were those shows. All right, and uh, what titles did you hold uh, and positions did you have there? I uh, was a music director pretty much. It was a short little gap um, that Lori actually kind of filled in in the fall of 87, and then she actually went and took the on-air position at um, DRE at the time. I don't know if it was LIRDRE, but whatever, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the radio station down the street. But for the most part, from uh, fall of 86 until – um, the end of the 88 um, school year, it was a uh, music director. Okay. Now and a few other, yeah, there were yeah. a few other um, bits between there. I think I was filling in for uh, like traffic at one point when someone uh, had left. And I remember missing the uh, game six of the Astros uh, Mets uh, <laughs> championship <laughs> series there because I was doing some sort of logging or whatever. So, um, but yeah, for the, primarily it was a uh, music director. Now, uh, the uh, the sports department was pretty well known for having nicknames. Everybody had a nickname. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and, and I don't know how many other um, people at the radio station may have had nicknames on their own, but did you have a, a nickname during your time when you were there, or did you use an on-air name differently? I did not use an on-air name differently, but I was most certainly uh, known as Spike, as far as right. because of the hair at the time. And uh, that was, uh, I guess, affectionately uh, <laughs> referred to as Spike. But I did, yeah, I didn't go on the air that way. And I think the only time I used a uh, nom de plume was um, it was summer '88, and it was right after uh, one incident that I might we we may talk about um, yeah. uh, famous incident that uh, I had to go on uh, incognito. So I, I also had laryngitis, I think, at the time. So I. I think I used something like the Phantom or what have you just to be, <laughs> <laughs> but that was a one time only. It was like, a, I think it might've been a covering an airwave slot back in the summer of 88. So, uh, but other than that, no, I just went, uh, did, went with Tim McDonald. Yeah. And I do remember, you know, funny, I, I did not remember Spike until you just mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> then again, there's a lot of things from back then. I don't remember. Right, right, right. I mean, the hair definitely gave it away. Like, And <laughs> for those of us who, document. For those of us who are now follically challenged, I just want to say on behalf of all of them, uh, to hell with you and all your hair. Yeah, yeah. That you still have. <laughs> Let's talk about the early days at the radio station. What first brought you down there? You know, was it uh, it, was it something specific that brought you to the radio station? Was well, it yeah, I, I definitely have a story. Yeah, a story on that. Sure. Where, um, yeah, because I, you know, I was a you know, a radio TV major for. Uh, you know, as I entered in freshman year and it took me a while because I was such a shy guy to to get there to um, to finally 
you know, go by myself to knock on the door. And uh, I didn't do it at all my freshman year. And then uh, it was, I think, right before the end of the semester for, um, you know, for uh, in 85, uh, the fall semester, that I went up, I think it was upstairs at Memorial Hall. I think that's, and again, this is something where folks can, um, can, clear my memory as far yeah, as that goes yeah. but it, yeah i think it was right when we uh, moved down and i think that was the uh, the spring of 86 is when i really got involved but when i went up to that um you know just to ask around saying you know um hey i'm i want to get involved and i think i did meet uh walter and yeah, walter ennis and and barbara lyons i believe was a program director at the time uh, or station manager, I forget which role, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, Walter just uh, grabbed me and said, you know, file these records. <laughs> and that was the uh, the way to test whether I was going to be uh, dependable or it was going to be, you know, come, come one day and then, uh, then never see you again. So right. Walter took me under his wing and I became his assistant music director and um, and the rest is, of course, history. But at the same time, uh, Lori was, uh, was joining as well. I think, I think she had joined maybe a month or two earlier and, uh, you know, became very good friends with her and uh, through that whole group, including yourself, that uh, that started around the same time. Now, uh, when you first get to the radio station and you start getting involved, we typically would have you uh, enroll in engineering classes and announcing classes. Uh, talk about that experience when you first started doing that and do you have any, well, you're already laughing. So now you have some memories about it. Oh, absolutely. Cause sure. I mean, you can still see that, uh, it has a, the, uh, all the, uh, instruction I got didn't knock out my Boston accent. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that was a bigger thing at the time. I remember, uh, you know, starting to be very conscious of the R's and I was, um, I mean, I was never a pocket, the Todd Harvard Yard guy, but no, definitely there was an accent and still have it. But, um, yeah, I, I think that part helped because it did uh, make me conscious of, you know, speaking and, you know, just how, how I sounded. It took me a while. It took me, it wasn't instantaneous to be uh, approved on air. Um, and I'm remembering that, uh, that whole process going through the different classes. And then I'm forgetting who was, um, you know, who, who was the chief announcer at the time. But um, it, yeah, it, t- it took a little while for me. I think I got approved or got certification uh with engineering before announcing and engineering i mean i'm not then and still not uh very technically inclined so it's uh you okay. know that was a challenge and i'm glad i though i did have that because at least i know how to plug things in these days because, <laughs> you know before that i i certainly did not so um i want us to um so Jeff Raspy was there before you, obviously, right? I'm assuming. I think around the same time he may have. Yeah, I think he was already there. Um, and I think I knew him a little bit through uh, Hofstra concerts, which he was very involved with. I just did it for a year or two. But, um, yeah, he was at least a familiar face. Because I don't know if he was running the engineering uh, training. I think he well, he might have been involved, maybe not running at the time. It's certainly possible. And I think maybe yeah. Kristen Goff was, I know she was. Yeah, I think it was Kristen. Involved yeah. Yeah, with the was, announcing yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the folks that uh, definitely we, uh, we, we remember from that. Um, so uh, you get through the classes and you start doing stuff on air. Do you remember the first time you got on air as an engineer or as an announcer? 
Yeah, it's funny. I um, I mean, it must have been an engineer because I think it was probably a couple months before I was approved as a chief announcer. I mean, as a an announcer. But um, the as far as engineering the shows, like I think the Sunday, you know, public affairs show. I did the, and it just so happens that you know it became very, I became very involved in um, that later on with the like Irish country music. Those shows on on Sunday, which I think are still on. I mean, if I'm, no, I'm not mistaken, oh, yeah. or uh, several of them are, and. Uh, I'm in an uh, organization, uh, the Ancient Order of Hibernians down here, an Irish uh, <laughs> organization. So sure. we, some of these guys that actually came on and were the get, you know, the superstar guests uh, that they brought in, were kind of still in the mix years later. Um, you know, just uh, over the past few years, as uh, um, there was one guy who was at, hosted a show for like 40 years down in uh, the D.C. area, who was part of our. Uh, one of our neighboring groups. So, so yeah, that it was just funny that, uh, and my, you know, my dad always got a kick out of me doing that part, but those were the, those early shows that uh, we were kind of working up to, I know always I wanted to, um, to be on airwave and to, uh, um, you know, to kind of participate in those, uh, you know, the, the new wave, new music uh, shows sure. that, um, that we had on. And before we head down a couple of different roads, I want to just touch a little bit on that point of of new wave and punk rock before that. Yeah. Um, you know, talk to Lori Gale a little bit about that and and just about uh, questions about the time period. And, you know, it, it was kind of a movement that was going on. It was another it was another wave of music, right? A new wave. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was called that. But d- did you have any sense at the time? of the music that you guys were programming and you know what it what it meant uh, as far as another genre that was uh, that was taking off and obviously you look back it's you could you could see what it meant but how much of a how much of a feeling did you have at the time that this was something that was going to you know going to last for a few years and certainly be uh, a beloved format that uh, that still goes on today, and it's you know right. still comes up with a lot of bands still touring, you know some yep. you know uh, around the country. Uh, what, what was your feeling when it was going well, on? At yeah, the time? I, oh, I've, got, I've got a lot of feelings, and that was sure. the, uh, and it's funny because I um I could go off on hours for this as far as uh, anything bad or good. It's just uh you know a lot of reflection. Um, you know I, I think our biggest challenge, and Lori may have talked about this too because she was working at the uh, the station down the street. I mean, they were the big gorilla in, in town with, you know, the the hallmark of, uh, of you know, new wave radio or, you know, these sounds, you know, so many of these bands, so much of this music that um, only had homes in a few different, you know, commercial radio stations in the country. And, you know, of course, we were, there was some, you know, the college radio stations, which always played them. But I think we had the bigger challenge where we had, you know, this, a station down the the road that we you know most of us did listen to for uh, uh, for the most part, and trying to kind of program, uh, I guess to the left of that or just to for you know for uh, mining different fields and they were mining so, I, which I think made it a lot more interesting and we um, I think especially in the uh, the airwave the eighty seven to eighty eight when we started incorporating a lot of different sounds that weren't on you know every other college radio station you know a lot of um you know world music and um and the house music that was starting to pick up and of course hip-hop and and mixing that in i mean i don't know if we did it a great way but I, it's one of the things i'm kind of proud of that we uh 
that we explored different, um, you know, different worlds in that regard. And it helped me that I was getting records from, you know, the, the company I was working for. We were working for a, um, uh, a distributor with uh, Jeff Foss, who, you know, hosted the, um, the P5 show, the uh, post-punk progressive pop party. <laughs> Don't pop your peas there. <laughs> but that, I mean, it just, that's the one, I mean, I'm thinking about just going down and seeing his shows, um, you know, when I was working with them and just, I mean, so, so many of the, uh, the artists that, you know, became legendary in, in that world, but kind of going back to the, um, you know, to uh, the shows that we produced the uh, first, the, the night shift, which was that, 86 to 87 and that was the experiment which uh we were looking to kind of take the i guess edge off of uh the airwave type music the um, you know the new wave music and to incorporate some sort of uh, soft sounds in it i think it was it's funny it's, it, in a way it was before its time i don't think we did it great and that was um myself and darren smith doing it. and you know a sidebar here is that to, the great experiences I had with um, with both Darren and Jeff, you know, producing the two shows. We were co-producers first. Uh, Darren and I were Night Shift, and then uh, Jeff and I were with Airwave. And I know that both those guys have gone on in their careers to actually, you know, program shows, which is great. I, I think the the back and forth and kind of talking about records, talking about what we were going to play, and, and fighting about it a lot of times is, uh, was, you know, part of the fun and fun memories as far as, uh, I mean, again, we, we both had visions as far as what we we're doing. But again, back to the, the night shift was, was um, you know, what we would do would be to go through those albums that we had and, you know, go with, you know, the kind of the softer tracks with the idea that this was going to be something that people put on to, to go to sleep to, <laughs> which, uh, you know, not sure if that was, you know, the right tack, but at least it was something different. And, and I think it was realized, um, you know, after the year experiment that, mm, you know, maybe we should go back. I mean, I think the, the pressures were bought, brought to bear to get back to uh, kind of the, the programming that we had prior to with, um, you know, exploring new artists and, um, and being able to, you know, put a whole kind of wide variety of, uh, of sounds on there. One thing I was really surprised at that years later, because again, I'm I'm going to plead ignorance that I've checked out, you know, the uh, the program blocks for RHU. Is Airwave still a? I mean, I know up until recently it was. What do they? There's still an Airwave show on there. Is it called Airwave? You know, I I'm not that familiar I, with the current lineup, so I yeah yeah. I know at least maybe five years ago, and that was just blowing me away that you know. 30 years later that it was kind of, we, when we were going back, we were trying to figure Hey, we should have a bold new name for the show. You know, and I was never really crazy about airway, but it's, I guess it signified something. And, you know, here it was 30 years. <laughs> no, no one, uh, no one thought to change it. I guess I had maybe a resonance, a legacy at that point. But, um, uh, and I, again, I, I'll, and I have listened a few times over the, over the years, plugged into uh, RHU, probably not as much as I should. And um, you know, I've like I've, I think I've told you, I've never been down to the studio in the last few decades. So, you know, one of those reunion, uh, you know, uh, dinners I got to get to. I, I you know, 
maybe the 70th, right? That's a few years away, but I'll get there some. There may not someday. be too but, many of us left by then, but yeah. Right, sure. no, exactly. <laughs> but no, as far as the music part of it, yeah, it's, um, that's, of course, number one as far as my memories. And, you know, again, the folks that, um, you know, that, that I worked with there, you know, you know, Lori, Darren, Jeff, and so many of the others that, um, that uh, it, it was part of the, the, the big fun and I think it's funny because you guys uh the, the sports guys were always kind of you were in your world we were in our world but we kind of like were able to you know to, to trade a bit as far as that you guys I think got you know you at least knew who some of these artists were and what got us excited and vice versa as far as um what was going on well that that's an interesting point that I wanted to bring up too as well Tim and, and just to get your take on it mm-hmm. you know yeah we a lot of us were down there for very specific things you know I I had wanted to get into into uh radio into into sports casting and so you know that was my you know that was my aim but I you know like you mentioned earlier we all did many different things but you, you, you know you mentioned Jeff Foss and I wanted to talk about you know he as him as a good example of being exposed to a lot of different things at our college radio station like WRHU at the time in the 80s, I think that was one of the benefits as a college kid. We probably didn't realize how important it was, but it was it was a lesson in being exposed to other parts of life and not just the not just the music and the people that you're used to being around that you have been focused on. You know, as you mentioned, you know, we did classical music. We did, you know, we did shows for jazz. Uh, we did shows for, for rock and for new wave. And, um, you know, I've I done a couple of blues shows, uh, country shows. We all got exposed to a lot of different things. And, you know, Jeff Foss, you talk about him. You know, there is a world that in no other way was I going to come across uh, a Jeff Foss and all the people, and as you mentioned, a lot of them going on to becoming big names in in hip hop. You you know you don't get exposed to that in too many ways, and I certainly wouldn't have been exposed to it if not for WRHU and Jeff Foss and his show and his connections. It was it was a way of getting exposed to a lot of different things and a lot of different music that. You know, quite frankly, we we would never have been exposed to, and it would have been a world that we wouldn't have known about. And I, and I want to get your take on on how you felt about you know about getting exposed to all this. You had a like in new wave, but like you said, you you wound up finding out about a lot of other stuff while down there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, more for me it was my um, my experience working with Ice Imports, which was the uh, the uh, distributor that we that we that uh, I worked for, but I did not start. Jeff and his partner uh, Marty Vanker both have both now passed. But um, yeah, we we were one of the few in in the country that were doing that. And um, I mean, at the time, and it was mostly dance music. There it was, and again, stuff that I you know being from suburban Boston, I was you know really exposed to. And you know, we were ten years away from the disco. Uh, you know, uh, your revolution. And now it was, um, you know, house music and uh, mixed with the hip hop. I mean, at the time, Long Island was the center of the hip hop universe. I mean, it, you know, everything that exploded from there, you know, the story I always tell is, you know, engineering um, the, the interview that Jeff did with uh, Flavor Flav the week before the album, hit, the first album came out. So no one knew him other than in the hip hop community here and uh, there on Long Island. But I mean, I mean, and he was 
as he was on stage. I mean, he, he saw, a, you know, I was at the time interning with uh, CBS Records and I had a CBS sweatshirt on there. And he, uh, he goes, money, money, I got You got to get me one of those. It's like, and I'm like standing back and I'm going, and I had heard the, the, the first album, which was just still, you know, 35 years later. So incredible. And, um, you know, I said, man, you, you're going to be owning CBS soon. So don't, don't you worry about getting this t-shirt or this sweatshirt. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, it was so much of that going on and not just with uh, RHU, but with, uh, you know, Delphi Radio and NYU Radio and a lot of the, um, you know, surrounding non-commercial stations. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot going on at the time. And I'm so, you know, fortunate to have, you know, kind of experienced that and just, um, you know, it did, like you said, it, it took you out of your comfort zone in a lot of ways and, um, you know, brought you into different worlds. So uh I mean, as far you were talking about the other um, genres that we that RHU did. I mean, uh, New Age Images, which you know, which uh, Barbara started, and then Charlie Tanner, um, you know, took on when you know we were both uh, you know seniors. And um, Charlie w w was great as far as he was so involved with trying to, I won't say monetize, but he got <laughs> the sponsorships with uh, our. Uh, our playlists that we put out in local record stores. And I know we were always trying a big thing with the, the music guys. We were trying to get to the, uh, the CMJ, the college music journals uh, convention. And, you know, we, we couldn't get uh, Jeff Foss. I mean, just Jeff Cross to, um, to, to pay for it. So we had to uh, kind of find other means to do so. So that, that was a great experience. I mean, of course, getting into my, sales uh, career and all that's just w was great um kind of uh foundations for it but um you know with the music department charlie tanner was just great as far as um you know helping put that together and you know we're getting the, our playlists and and you know the uh, the chronicle and you know just the you know kind of spreading it around the uh the campus so again how many people were listening? And, you know, we all ask ourselves this question in our years in college radio mm -hmm. and sometimes in commercial radio. <laughs> right. Commercial radio, at least there is some uh, measurement. But, you know, we were just guessing how many we were playing to. So, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that all that did uh, listen uh, had a good time. Hey, just so you know, Airwave does still exist. Uh, and now, what the music is these days would be very interesting. I'd like to check right. that out. Right. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, just a quick uh, note on that because I've, you know, I, I still do try to listen to new sounds and, and you know, there's, uh, you know, certain, um, you know, genres that I, yeah, I go, I, I don't, I almost, you know, I don't want to feel like an old guy saying I feel bad for the young kids these days, but I, I felt there was so much more excitement going on in our day with music, um, at least with, you know, quote unquote, college music or, you know, the, the, the rock music. I, I think rock is pretty much maybe a spent force is very little new coming in. It's more of just kind of a, you know, homages to the past. I, you know, I'm sure we can go on and debate on that with, you know, for hours, but right. um, you know, there, I think probably that there's other genres like hip hop and, and dance music that still are kind of, um, you know, breaching boundaries and all, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious how, what they're doing on a college radio state. I should probably listen more to WRHU and, <laughs> to check it out <laughs> yeah they're they're all over you know there's a a version of airwave of some kind um you mm -hmm. know multiple days on there so yeah de definitely yeah. check I'll out check and folks can go to um wrhu.org and check on the schedule and see what's going on there 
Uh, again, if you look over that schedule, there's a lot of different music up there. And, and it's, uh, you know, again, uh, from what Jeff Krause started to what Bruce Avery kept going, mm-hmm. and now John Mullen in charge over there, it's, um, you know, they've really kept the spirit of of college radio and the different formats up there. And I think that's, you know, that's important. It's, it's important to me as far as what I see college radio as. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for you, what's your definition of what you expect out of a college radio station? I, I think it's, it, it's so much more difficult today because college radio, non-commercial radio used to be, you know, things you couldn't hear anywhere else. And nowadays, you know, you can hear it everywhere else. You can, you know, you can click click on anything to stream uh, whatever you want to hear or explore. Or right. and you know, so I think that's the challenge that you know college radio in 2023 has. You're hoping that you've got folks in there, whether it's playing music or uh, with the news department, or that are you know put, putting together things that you can't you know access easily other places and you know there's always i think you know we yes we can have uh clicked on streamed uh playlists but people still hire djs uh, for parties and all that because you're you're believing that that person that live human in there is not the the algorithm that's gonna just kind of have a a boring you know uh situation so no I, i i say they have a you know college radio 2023 other than you know preparing them for careers in you know in, in media it's you've got to do so many you know different things to uh you know to uh kind of separate yourself from what what you can find elsewhere let's get back on on to some of the specific questions about WRHU now I, I think everybody has uh, a couple of names in mind when they talk about their time at RHU and they talk about some of the people who who were instrumental in, in getting them involved, in, in getting them um, into certain areas of the radio station, people that might have been mentors to them. Um, let's hit on hit upon a few of the folks that um, that, you know, that I've already mentioned that you've already mentioned that. I, I, and then if there are others you want to mention, that's fine, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you talk about Walter Ennis and, and Barbara Lyons Ennis now. And, um, you know, Lori talked a lot about them and um, and about what they meant to her. You mentioned Walter really being the first one that uh, uh, almost attacked you and <laughs> got, mm-hmm. you to, got, you to do, <laughs> got you to do some work down there at the radio station. Uh, talk about Walter and, and Barbara, because I, I, I think... You know, I think a lot of folks of our time don't realize how so many people really were affected by those two. And, and you know, I think both of them kind of took quite a few young people at the radio station under their wings and really helped to guide them along the experience at the radio station. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think you, you find that a lot in, in these types of, you know, social situations. And, uh, you know, I, I when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old, going to, Austria University on Long Island, you know, from from Massachusetts. I, I was so immature. I was such a little kid. And I think, um, you know, my joining, you know, RHU and, and getting involved really, you know, set me along with my whole, you know, college career. It helped me, I think, get become a better student uh, in a lot of ways and just um, kind of grow up a bit. And, you know, with uh, with, with Walter and, and Barbara, they really, again, took me under their wing, you know, literally as far as 
um, you know, as, as far as kind of teaching me about the, the radio station and, you know, kind of things that are expected. And, um, and again, just, they're just uh, big personalities <laughs> that, uh, that, that really helped. And, you know, again, becoming friendly with uh, a lot of the other folks we were talking about uh, uh, with Lori and, and Darren and, um, and I feel bad. I'm going to leave people out, but yeah, you, you know, the, our crew, you know, that we, uh, right. that we ran with and Jeff, of course. Uh, so, and it's, I kind of feel bad cause I haven't seen most of them for, for years. And I, I was trying to get together with uh, Walter this summer down in Florida. I was, uh, but we, our uh, schedules, uh, crossed. So we, but, but I swear we will, uh, we'll do that at some point in the, in the near future. But, um, you know, especially now that I am, uh, out of Long Island, I'm down here in uh, Richmond, Virginia. So, um, don't get up to, to New York as, as much as I would like. Yeah, and, and, and I think a lot of us who are spread out, I'm in Pennsylvania, uh, a mm -hmm. lot of folks are spread out further in the country, I've got to believe, you yeah. know, it, it's hard to get back for a lot of us, and so, you know, I, I haven't been back on Long Island, oh, I, well, I think I went back last summer, but before that, it had been several years before I'd been back there, so it's... Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, don't have an awful lot of family there anymore, right. so it's, uh, it's, it's hard to uh, get back or find reasons or... You know, now a uh, a two hour drive, I I have to worry about falling asleep. So <laughs> as you get older, it's not so much fun. Um, yeah. So you, you talked about Barbara and Walter, and you know you mentioned uh, Butch Raspy, uh, another guy who, you know, again I I, I remember you guys uh, around all the time. There's there's one picture that I know I've posted. I know Butch has posted of like a headshot basically of you and him. Um, you know, you guys seem like brothers for the most part. I know Darren was there as well, mm -hmm. sort of in that capacity. Let's talk about those two. Let's start with Butch and, you know, again, such an even keeled guy. Nice yeah. guy. I mean, there, if anyone had anything bad to say about Butch Raspy, we, we didn't talk to them anymore because there's yeah, right. clearly that person <laughs> had a problem. No, he, I mean, he was an American original and just, uh, you know, real – real glad that uh, we had that experience. And again, like I touched on earlier, as far as, um, cause I was co-producer with him with airwave that 87, 88 year. And I mean, again, talk about coming from two different places with this whole new wave, uh, new music, um, you know, you know, Butch liked more of the folky stuff and, you know, I'm sure his, his tastes have taken him uh, on a, crazy path over the last uh, 35 years but um and then i was coming from more uh the beat oriented with uh you know the new dance music and um you know i loved you know our our kind of our fights as far as like what we were going to play um <laughs> with our again with thinking it was the most important thing in the world whether you added or didn't add a a new record to our playlist and uh and of course you know working with our you know, our jocks that were, um, you know, doing our shows, kind of, uh, you know, putting our vision into, uh, into action and, um, no, but just, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing you could have a, um, you know, a, a spirited uh, discussion about why uh, your music sucks, <laughs> but <laughs> no, no, but, um, and he, he did the same to me, but of, of course we would shake hands later on. And, um, sure. of course we were the uh, co-conspirators with the, uh, the all night airwave, which has become infamous, and I love. I just, I think he does it on each uh, each day of the year, May sixteenth or whatever it was that we got the uh, 
Jeff Krause uh, pinned um, letter of uh, mm -hmm. indictment uh, on <laughs> on the door of <laughs> Memorial Hall there with uh, and I, I you know again I feel bad that we brought though and just uh, to touch on that uh, story briefly sure, we sure. And, yeah we we uh, we decided to stay on all night before we had our 24-hour license which was of course breaking all sorts of rules and um, and you know didn't tell kept it to a tight circle before that happened and uh, went on and it went went pretty well actually and then it was really just a, a crazy experience and I understand in the years you know shortly after before RHU got their 24-hour license that it became kind of a a uh, rite of passage and it was a um, it was a approved um, one-time exception if I'm not if I'm I might be mistaken but this is what I heard that that they uh, they stayed on all night once a year and which I don't think was would have been half as fun because you're not yeah. you know being the the renegade to do it so you know he broadcast uh, Jeff broadcast from his uh, suite in in the Netherlands and or Colonial Square I forget where he was but um, and you know we, again we had about ten people that were in on it. Uh, I don't remember if you were at all. I don't know if we're I don't, or, or, yeah, no, plausible really. deniability. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I found out about it later. That was kind of yeah. that was kind of already out of the picture at that point. Right, right. And and the um, yeah, I feel bad. We had you know some of the freshmen that we uh, took in, you know, kind of took under our wings, you know, like but we brought them into a life of crime. And I'm just so happy that so many of them have gone off to do uh, such great things in in the world that like, uh, we didn't corrupt them uh, <laughs> totally. But but it, no, it, it was uh, fun in retrospect, and I understand Jeff Krause had to uh, to lower the boom and try. I mean, you know, it was it was at the end of our uh, our senior year, so we weren't quite as affected. I think Jeff Krause actually um, set me up with a an interview at VH1 with another. Uh, um, radio alumni so i think that was afterwards if i'm not mistaken so i don't think he really held that much oh, of a no, grudge. No. But, he, but he had he had to suspend us uh you know for a time being on there and even though you know our our time was pretty much up there but uh, again great experience um you know who you mentioned before darren smith uh, we we took over that you know this he was a year older than us and uh graduated in 87 and he um you know of course gone on to great things with radio and um, but he, you know, he was as suspect as I was. And I think most of us music uh, heads were with this night shift and we had to make sure we put the F in there. Cause that was, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> that, that's something we all probably do too much. Sure. sure, Yeah. <laughs> but as far, yeah. And it was, you know, we were all very kind of skeptical. What are we trying to do here? It was just, um, it was against all of our, our best, uh, you know, thoughts as far as what uh, what was going to make a good radio program. I think we did what we could have, especially with limited resources. Again, going back to what I think college stations have now, or you know, just folks putting together music programs. You have so much in front of you. You know, whether it's uh, streaming or um, you know digital, where you know we had to pretty much rely on you know on what record companies would send us. And, um, you know, that was right before the CD era. So we're right. still you know, pretty much putting albums on. And it was, um, you know, it, it, it was slim pickings in a, in a lot of respects. And I don't know. I, th I think we did as well as we could have if we, you know, there's probably other things we could have done with a lot of 
retrospect. But uh, again, we, you know, Darren and I had a lot of spirited discussions as well. And, you know, his career was starting actually, you know, before he graduated too with uh, uh, getting on air at, um, at uh, LIRDRE. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that th this was a, a good uh, primer for him for his, his career. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th I think, um, you know, when I think of, um, of you and, and Butcher Aspie and Darren and uh, Barbara, Walter, Lori, I see, I, I always, the first thing that comes to mind is that these were people who were passionate about what they were doing at, at the uh, Hofstra radio and really, really loved what they did and mm -hmm. wanted to represent it in the right way. And, you know, I think, I, I think you guys, you know, because of your love of the music and the passion that you had for it and trying to expose people to it, I think that came across in what you guys wound up, uh, you know, wound up doing with, with your time with airwave. And I can't imagine that there was much more, uh, you know, that, that you guys could have done. And, and I think that, you know, came out in what you did. I think the fans that, that you had, people who called up during shows, um, you know, were, were very passionate. And at that time, a lot of college students were listening and really enjoyed it because it's what they were listening to. And, and I think mm -hmm. you, you hit the market well and you represented it well and, and you really tried to put out music, not just anything that came through the door, but what you really thought was going to hit with the audience. And, you know, I, I, I think of you guys and I think of the passion you guys had for the music. Yeah, I mean, I, and I hope that it's a legacy. I and mean, as we see, we're talking 35 years later and, um, you know, there's still an airwave program. There's still, I mean, just not knowing intimately like a lot of the folks, I think that you do that, um, that followed us in the, uh, say, in the 10, 20 years afterwards. But it, it seems like a lot of that same spirit was there, which I think is so important for any organization, whether sure. it's a radio station or a you know, sales organization or what have you. And um, I'm just thinking, you know, as far as, you know, passing the baton with the music director role. And I know Rob Usden uh, took over for it the last year. And mm -hmm. um, the uh, and I think with Airwave, um, who took over the reins was uh, – you know, the, the late uh, Dean Hotchkiss um, and I think Clive Young had, was involved as right, well. Like right. some of the, you know, some of the younger guys that we were hoping to, you know, pass down the, uh, the reins to. And, um, and then of course there, you, you know, kind of pass it down to your generations. Um, but again, it's, it, it's, I think I would imagine it's tougher now to kind of differentiate yourself. And, and just a quick sidebar, as far as the, uh, the music we were talking about a little earlier, um, there's a great column that's uh, been going on for about five years in the Stereo Gum uh, website from a writer called Tom Bryan, and he uh, he was going on the, the the number one songs for each uh, week on the Hot 100. Um, start he used to do three times a week. Now he's down to one time a week. But um, what he started just a few months ago was the modern rock. A chart on Billboard, which actually started September of 1988, which is you know right after I, I got out. And interesting time because of like the, we didn't really know like kind of pre-grunge in the you know early 90s and you know, 92 when you know Pearl Jam Nirvana was all the the rage. They didn't really know what new wave new music was supposed to be. And I think even the commercial stations because that um, you know that chart was with mostly commercial stations like your LIR and uh, K-Rock in LA and 
um, HFS, you know, those, the big, the big ones that, uh, half dozen that, um, you know, kind of moved a lot of this, um, music, uh, interests over the eighties. Um, but here we are, you know, getting to the, the, the edge of the nineties. And so much of the stuff was like, you know, kind of the lesser songs from some of those legacy acts. So it was like, I think at that point we were trying to still kind of find what the new next new sounds were. And then of course the whole grunge uh, revolution helped. And, uh, um, but it, yeah, interesting to kind of look back. So I'll put my plug in for that, for that website. If that's a, it's, it's a great kind of look back on, uh, mm-hmm. uh, on those days. A uh, couple more questions for you. Getting back to being at the radio station. When do you think if you felt comfortable at the station and being on air what what did you have a sense of a certain time period or taking on a certain position you know when did it feel like you 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 know for me i always talk about wrhu at that time as really a second home uh although Mm -hmm. i probably spent more time there than my own home uh in in the years that i was there um when did you start feeling comfortable with being at the radio station and and then being on air and doing the shows I, yeah, I mean, I think um, that when I first took over the uh, the music director role, because um, I, as I mentioned, it took you know it took a couple months at least to become um, you know on air certified, and um, you know I was doing the the shows that were uh, you know the public relations, I mean public affairs shows, and um, you know the ethnic shows that. You know, I I was just the guy twiddling the knobs, and I guess that part of it, it was just gradual. I don't think it was any kind of revelation that this is now my home, but certainly became that in those two years I was uh, there. You know, every single day, and <laughs> and you know, sometimes into the night. And I remember yeah. uh, with um, another quick story that after my graduation, I because probably I spent a little too much time at the radio station because I was working at the um, you know, the ice imports distributor during my senior year, uh, I plum forgot to uh, see my advisor to make sure I had all my classes taken <laughs> sorted out for graduation. And I found out I needed one more, um, you know, elective. And uh, that was my bad. It was, you know, having that talk with my dad to say, hey, yeah, I need, I think, uh, you know, three credit hours were like $700 then, which was, uh, we would, we would love now to have oh, yeah. that, yeah, yeah, or something. But you know, 1988, it was. Uh, so yeah, I got to do that. And I got to uh, you, know, sp- you know stay one more, uh, you know, I think six week uh, half semester during the summer at uh, the dorm. But um, but what I did, I think I didn't have housing uh, for like a weekend. So I remember sleeping in my office. I moved all my <laughs> stuff. In- my office and that little uh little office with all those um you know shelves of records which i loved i always loved being sure. surrounded by that yeah uh and i kind of bunked out there for uh for a few days uh you know with uh, i guess without any better options <laughs> so um so i guess yeah i guess i made made uh, use of that um that real estate there but um yeah, I mean, again, just just a, a wonderful time, wonderful people. I, I, yeah, again, maybe I there were disputes or what have you, or personality clashes. I don't really remember them. Maybe because I've put it to the recesses of my mind. But no, just a, a a great experience. That you know, even though I did not, you know, follow into that with my career, you know, I have zero regrets. Mm-hmm. 
And one, one more question for you as we close this out with uh, Tim McDonald. Um, what did you think Hofstra Radio was going to mean to you in those early days? What was your, you know, what was your expectation of, of the station? And, you know, what did you think you were going to get, going to get out of it? And then mm-hmm. as you look back on it now, wh- what do you think were the key components uh, of, of what you of what the takeaways were for you? Right. And I think, uh, you know, again, I was naive and immature going into it. Didn't really know, understand that this was the big part of it that I had to, um, you know, kind of do what I wanted, you know, what I was working towards doing as a, you know, radio TV major. Um, you know, it's more than just going to classes and, um, it was doing this. And of course, using this to springboard to, um, you know, to other opportunities. So, so yeah, I, I, I guess I didn't know what I was getting into or what, what, uh, what, what the expectations were other than, yeah, I need, I guess I need to join the radio station, but I'm, you know, even being a radio major, it doesn't make sense. It took me, you know, almost, uh, you know, it took me over a year and in, into that beginning of my sophomore year to, to, to actually do it. But, um, but again, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it did give me some lessons as far as, you know, managing folks too, which was something which I had zero experience doing and, you know, being a producer of a, a show, just making sure it was on, you know, each night and was, uh, ready to air and, you know, kind of working with I, with a couple of, of the jocks that um, that uh, we had to have some discussions with when they were breaking format. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was weird because it was like, you know, I didn't really feel like the boss, but, you know, I guess I was the boss of that show. So, um, so that, those lessons were helpful. And, um, but I think, I, you know, just, you know, I had had jobs before and had, uh, but this was, more of working towards a a goal and uh, that's probably the the most lasting lesson that that i had tim thanks again as always good catching up with you my pleasure